This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. Oh yes, it's that time again. Hello and welcome. This is episode 155 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley and anything you and your mob can do, David Cameron Walker, we can do it better. No, we're not bothered about being in the top three from October all the way through till May. We just casually time our arrival in the top three for 20 past four on the final afternoon of the season. Beautiful. Congratulations. How are you? Well done. I am... Enjoying Barry's promotion. Yeah. Staying positive. Uh, uh, yeah. We'll get to how I'm feeling later on. Uh, can I'm I just a say? Mixed bag of emotions. Can I just say, how do you like those apples, Phil? This is the best trip I've ever been on brown. Enjoy <laughs> Southend away on Sunday. Enjoy Stevenage away on Sunday, mate. That's all oh, I'll say. Na, 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 na. Barry's going up, going up. Come on. Barry's going Thank up. You. Um, I've just about come back down. Uh, to Earth after all that. And you know what you should do? What? Sponsor a Morecambe player next season. Well, it's, it's funny you should <laughs> say that. We need a bit of this. I thought I had to play a little bit of Morecambe and Wise. <laughs> just to pay tribute, Jim Bentley's Barmy Army. Can I just pay tribute to everyone in Morecambe? I'm holidaying exclusively there for the next decade. I'm going to make sure you do. After they, uh, they basically Let's have help, a weekend in Morecambe. Help Let's just go promotion. to Morecambe next season for a game. Why not? <laughs> Let's do That's it. That's going to be our first live special. We've decided now. We're going to go to Morecambe. Can I say, ever since we started this nonsense back in July 2011, 2012, Carl Swindon, promoted. 2014, Jim's Leicester, promoted. 2015, your Watford, promoted. 2015, my Berry, promoted. Topo's Nottingham. Oh, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's an incredible record. It is. Not bad. Incredible record. Right, let's get rid of uh, Morecambe and Wise. Get rid of him. Uh, okay, so I've got the full story from uh, Saturday to show you later in the show. I was there on the pitch at full time. You can actually see me as the goal goes in behind the goal if you get your sort of uh, binoculars out. How was, um, it? How was it? Oh, it was, was incredible. It was incredible. I was hugging random strangers and I, I just remember the adrenaline rush when the final whistle blew. I was like three rows from the front. I just remember just sprinting, just diving over two rows and just running with my hands in the air. And that's how it should be because 
because you had something to celebrate. <laughs> more on that later. Um, it's what football's all about. Hopefully, uh, staying a little bit more professional than me, though, up in the press box uh, was Craig Nelson, the Berry Times reporter for the Berry Times. As you and Rookery Mike had your moment in the sun last week, uh, Craig is going to come on and chat to me later about Berry getting promoted to League One. So we will save the rest of that discussion for later. We've also got plenty of other things to discuss, including... Uh, I'm whisper this Bournemouth pipping Watford to the title uh, also Derby County the meltdown what the hell happened there uh, there's an old farm Derby in the playoff semi-finals to get excited about we've got your man on the, uh, the mobility scooter at Blackpool invading Fantastic. the pitch what a man Steve he is. Evans and his sombrero uh, we've got the Football League on Channel 5 plus relegations for Notts County Crawley and Leighton Orient but first we are going to begin with the drama of Sunday afternoon uh, in League One one massive game at the Western Homes Community Stadium affecting both the top and bottom of the table Colchester United against Preston now last week on the podcast DC you confidently predicted that Watford would win the championship and that Preston would be promoted it's therefore no surprise that I Bournemouth, known better, really, Bournemouth won I, I the suppose. championship and MK Dons were promoted yeah. uh, the Dons took advantage of Preston's sh- uh, shot 1-0 defeat to clinch that automatic promotion place and they'll be in the championship next season following their 5-1 mauling of Yeovil at Stadium MK in front of a massive crowd they finished the season on 91 points uh, after an incredible run of 9 wins from their last 10 games it means Carl Robinson's men will be playing in the second tier next season ending a run of 7 straight years in League 1 let's speak now to Toby Locke who was there at Stadium MK on Sunday and has followed the Dons right throughout this incredible campaign he is the sports editor of the MK Citizen and the Leighton Buzzard Observer and I'm delighted to say that Toby joins us on the line Right now, Toby, first of all, many congratulations. Can you start by describing what the atmosphere was like when the final whistle blew on Sunday afternoon? Um, I'd love to tell you, but I have absolutely no idea because it's all just such a blur. <laughs> um, the whole the whole second half, I think everybody in Stadium MK was just on tenterhooks. I mean, the game was pretty much done and dusted at 4-0. So as that, I think that second half, everybody was just checking phones, Twitter, radios, everything. Um, it was just so tense and it was... It was it was a really bizarre atmosphere for a football match, considering that everybody in there was there to watch a game, but was more occupied with watching a game that was going on 100 miles away. It was it was really strange, but absolutely awesome, absolutely awesome. There have been some near misses in the playoffs over the past few years, but then we see like last season a little, you know, it was kind of a step backwards uh, as to where you may have thought they would have finished pre-season. So, are you surprised? Given given your expectations before the season that MK Dons have gone up, but gone up in such style. Um, yes, I think surprise is, is absolutely the word for it. Um, when we went into um, you know pre-season training, we were going down to the training camp quite regularly to, to talk to the new players, talk to the manager, and they were they were very reserved. Um, given the way that they ended last season, it was a it was a damp squib by about February after they lost Patrick Bamford. Um, so. You know, we really went into the season with no expectations at all. Um, if we snuck into the playoffs, I think everybody would think, "Wow, that's a that's a serious result given given where they um, where they ended last season." But it started really well, and the recruitment over the summer seemed to be really good. And you know, there was a buzz about the place. All of a sudden, there was there was an air of confidence, and you know, they were just going out and, and having fun. And there was so much youth in the team, and they were so excited just to be playing football again. And it was it was great, and it's it's something that's lasted all the way through the season. So I think the, the dream for automatic promotion really came came about. It was probably after the Manchester United game. I think there was a lot of thought of wow, this team could go a long way. And then it got to September, October, November time, and you thought they're really in they're really in 
in, in this fight. It takes a lot for a 4-0 victory over Manchester United for a League One club not to be the highlight of the season in the end, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, I, I completely forgotten about that. But yeah, I mean, the last the last two months really is, is you know, it's where it's been won, this this run of nine wins from 10. Um, you must have thought it maybe had gone when you, uh, I think they were beaten at home by Preston, weren't they? Uh, a while yeah, back but, yeah. but since then they've just been unplayable really well that's it I mean the, the, the defeat to Preston was Don, actually Don's last defeat and um, strangely enough um, Preston's last defeat prior to the Colchester loss was on January 31st and that was the same day Don's went top of the league so it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of numbers and there's a lot of strange little statistics like that that have floated around in the last few months but yeah I mean this run since since losing to Preston they have I think you said it been unplayable Unplayable. They've scored so many goals and they've really taken teams apart and they've put them to the sword. And that's something that Dons have lacked in, in previous years. You know, they absolutely pummel a team, particularly at Stadium MK, and will go in 1 0 up at the break. And, and this season, they've just they've, they've put, put that completely to bed and going in 3 4 0 up at half time. And, you know, the game's done and dusted and they don't have to worry about the second half. And that's the, that's the approach they've taken. And just the, the sheer number of goals, I mean, if you go to Sadio MK, you're almost guaranteed two or three goals, which was which was really getting the uh, the fans excited. Just looking at the team and and the number of goals scored, there are, there are three names that really jump out: uh, Deli Ali, the young star who you know signed for Tottenham but was allowed to come back for the second half of the season, which was I suppose a key bit of uh, business. Will Grigg, who's had a really good season in front of goal, and also the player of the season, Carl Baker, hasn't scored as many as those two, but I'm sure has been a creator as well. Um, I mean, tell us about those three players and the impact they've had. Well, I'll start with Carl Baker. I mean, like you say, he was player of the year. He was he was more shocked than anybody, I think, to pick up that award. Um, he was really quite blown away being being released by Coventry at the beginning of the season and coming in from relatively no man's land. It was it was a, it was a strange signing, um, but it was one that he's made work. He's been a firm fan favourite since you know the very first time he came on the pitch, and he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's passionate. He's exciting to watch. He puts balls on a plate for every player that's that's, that's out there, and he's been one of the key signings of the season and I think that reflected in, in the fans awarding him the player of the year um, Will Grigg again sensational um, when he when he came in everybody thought he'd be the man leading the line but um, it was actually Benneke Fobi who really stole the headlines in the first part of the season because he was just banging him in for fun but since since Benneke left he was sold to Wolves in January uh, everybody thought the season would, would fall apart but Griggy came on and he's just been the man. You know, he's, he's been the man that you could ping balls into and he'll hold the ball up well and he's, he's deadly in front of goal and he's just been, he's been absolutely incredible. And, um, well, there's, you, I've run out of words really to describe Delhi. I've written about him for two years um, since he burst onto the scene. We always heard from Carl that um, there, was, there was this kid coming through called Delhi and that he was going to be, he was going to be the next shining star. He was going to be the next Steven Gerrard, the next big England international in central midfield. And um, he looks every part of it, every part of it. I mean, he ran the show against Manchester United, and he's just he's 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 everything that a Premier League team should want. And Tottenham have got a real gem, a real gem, and at a bargain price as well. Do you think you'll go back to Tottenham and, and feature for them uh, next season, or is there a chance that you maybe be able to have another season or half a season out of him in the Championship? I, I don't think Bonds will get him again. Um, I think if if anything, they'd probably loan him to a lower end Premier League team to give him a chance to play a different style of football, get him in a big stadium with a big crowd again. Um, I'm not saying that Stadium MK won't attract a big crowd next season, but I think he needs to learn to play maybe a different style of football. Having grown up and you know he's only played football for two years professionally, really. 
particularly in the first team. So he needs to learn a different style of play. And I mean, well, if Tottenham want to gamble on him and put him straight into the first team, he, he won't look out of place. But um, no, I think he'll be he'll be loaned out to a lower end Premier League team. Um, this promotion is obviously important for the club, but it's also been quite important for the manager as well because it's amazing to think he's been there five years, really. I mean, if you were to look at the list of uh, sort of um, the managers of the 92 in England, he'd probably be one of the, the longest serving, Carl Robinson. Third, I think he's third on the list now, which is go. really bizarre. Really that is bizarre. incredible. Um, a fifth time of asking. He's finally got this promotion. He's been talked about as kind of the up-and-coming manager for quite a few years but yeah as you mentioned earlier Dave a couple of playoff failures and they've not quite managed to get over the line so you feel this is quite a, an important thing for him personally as well I think he needed it yeah for his for his CV if nothing else um, it was certainly something that was playing on his mind I've you know I've spoken to him pretty much every week for for the five years he's been in charge um, I think we started the jobs at similar times so I've been I've been there or thereabouts with him all the way through and um, yeah he needed it he needed to, to, to get out there have been plenty of offers for him. Um, a lot of people seem to bulk at the compensation when it comes down to it, ultimately. But he um, he has a passion for Milton Keynes, and he, he really loves it around here. His family has settled. He's, he has a good time. He's just bought a new house. And it was hard to sort of see him looking away. But there was always that risk that somebody else might come in sniffing, and nobody has really you know, really made that, that big jump to, to, to pay up and say, right, we want, we want Carl Robinson. I think it was because there's not that promotion on his CV. You know, Dons have sort of stagnated in League One, particularly at the end of last season. You thought, well, what does everybody, everybody see in him? But I think he's been so astute in the summer with the, uh, with the players he's brought in, the replacement players he's brought in for when um, Benneke Fobi left, when George Williams got injured as well. These are, these are key moves. And to finally be in the championship and to finally say I'm the manager of a championship club, I think is massive. And, you know, if Bonds don't do well next season, fully expect him to move on because he'll be too hot a prospect to, to, to keep, I think, in Milton Keynes. What do you think the immediate future holds in store for MK Dons? Because obviously it's been the ambition to get to the championship for a number of years. You know, Pete Winkleman is the other sort of key figure there at the club who's been working towards getting this, you know, getting this project off the ground when it started. Uh, and, and the circumstances around that are something for another day, perhaps. But, <laughs> but you know, what, what's the potential? You know, do you think they can go to the championship and flourish or, or will it be a struggle? Um, I think for the first year or so, I think it will just be a battle to, um, to, to keep afloat. I think... And I, to be honest, I don't think that's a bad tactic to, to go into it with. Um, I think you see a lot of teams try and go up there and try and swashbuckle their way through. And, you know, it works for some teams, but I think Dons have built a model where they try and they try and do it financially right. They don't go out and just blow money. I think Carl's maybe spent... He's certainly spent less than 100000 I'd imagine, in his five years at Dons. So they're not a, a club that goes out and spends willy-nilly. Um, I think they need to go up. They need to find their find the right balance of, of youth and experience. They need to be you know perform well in the loan market, and I think just finishing in the top half will be, uh, in the bottom half. Sorry, will be will be a really strong a really strong finish for them. After that, they can consolidate, find their feet a little bit, and then and then maybe mount something. Um, but I think a couple of years in the championship finding their way before before anything really can happen. I am, I am going to mention it now, actually, having, having said that. This, <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange situation because someone like Carl Robinson, 
he's quite a popular sort of character within the game and he's you know he's got quite a lot of positive press around him but make no mistake about it this won't be a popular promotion for a lot of people watching the football league uh, and watching you know, watching MK Dons go up there is still a lot of lingering resentment around the you know uh, the very fact that the club exists and with a promotion to the championship it becomes even more of a you know the spotlight is shone on the club even more they're only one league, league away from getting to the Premier League one day and you know that would bring with it even more intense coverage I mean does does anyone care about that at MK Dons? Do the fans care about that, or you know, does it? Is it still sort of always going to be there in the background? It'll always be there in the background, but it's water off a duck's back to uh, absolutely everybody at the club. Um, you know, they've they've adopted the name, the franchise. They love being called plastic fans. They love it. You know, it's 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 everything that everything that gets thrown at them every week, and it's been thrown at them every week for eleven years. You know, people people in Milton Keynes don't care. You know, they they were dumped with a football team on their doorstep. And they went to go and watch them because they can't always go and watch their Premier League teams. And maybe they're not everybody's first team. But there's kids who are 10, 11, 12 years old who have known nothing other than Milton Keynes Dons being on their doorstep. So these are, this generation of fans is now coming through. It's, it's the, the club of the town now. So everybody who can, can throw all the, all the mud all they want um, but in Milton Keynes it all just washes away. I was going to say because if you look at the uh, the pictures of the crowd, you know the pitch invasion and the shots of the the crowd in the stands. There's a lot of young fans there in sort of replica MK Don shirts. I noticed in particular at the weekend. I saw the gate was seventeen thousand. Um, there was a lot of talk a few years ago about you know how difficult it was to attract new fans to to the club, but obviously promotion's only going to help that further. I would imagine. Well, absolutely, yeah. And in Milton Keynes, we we like to um, we like to come out for an occasion. Um, so, so you know, if there's if there's something happening in town, we'll show out on mass. So, yeah, to see seventeen thousand at Stadium MK for for what you know, it could have just been a run of the mill end of the season league game that could have been you know, I'm only on Thursday, we could all be going to the playoffs. But there was that sort of twinkle in the air, and everybody thought, well, what if what if something happens on on Sunday? So it was it was great to see Stadium MK as full as it was. I mean. Granted, there weren't many Yeovil fans willing to make the trip for what was ultimately a dead rubber for them. But no, it was it was brilliant. And those young fans, they're, they're the ones that will bring the history to life again. In a few years' time, when they'll be saying, oh yeah, we were there, do you remember that? And you know, they'll be 15 or 16 now. They've been watching MK Dons for 10 years. This is These are the generation of fans that, that will remember all of this and will we'll be able to carry it on and pass it on to their kids in, in 10, 15, 20 years' time. And that's, that's what Milton Keynes is... That's what the club is doing, you know. They have they have to wait or get promoted. And, you know, we'll get the casual fans through the door and they'll come and go. But that's the same with every club. So it's 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 unfair to, to sort of tarnish Milton Keynes with, with that brush. But these young fans are, are what it's all about now. Toby, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, enjoy no, the championship next season. Have a good summer. Thank you. That is Toby Locke, who is the sports editor of the MK Citizen and the Leighton Buzzard Observer. And you can follow Toby right now on Twitter, citizen underscore Toby is where you'll find him. Next, we are off to the Wirral to look back on another promotion party. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. So to the bit you've all been waiting for, or well, the bit that I've been waiting for at least. It was a soggy old afternoon on Saturday uh, down at Prenton Park. The weather sort of matched the mood of the home fans as Tranmere Rovers bowed out of the Football League after 94 years with a home game against promotion chasing Bury. Uh, the state of play was this before kickoff. As a reminder, Southend were two points ahead of Bury. They were away at Morecambe. Wickham were a point behind and they were away at Northampton. And at uh, some point or other... 
Dave, during the afternoon, all three were in that third position. Um, and it was one of those afternoons where got any fingernails left it just twisted and turned and twisted and turned but in the end it was David Flickcross men who sealed it Southend lost 3-1 at Morecambe Wickham did score late to win at Northampton but it wasn't enough as Tom Saw's magnificent toe poke edged them out Bury won 1-0 their 8th away win in a row and their 13th win in their last 16 a run which has taken them to League 1 now a man who wasn't getting drenched just behind the goal and invading the pitch like a lunatic like me was Craig Nelson uh, Craig is the Bury reporter for the Bury Times and the Bolton News and I'm pleased to say he joins us right now Craig thank you very much for coming on the show that's um, I know that the club's been back financially, uh, but first of all, just sum up this achievement for us, especially given where Bury were in the table just a few months ago. Well, it's, it's strange you should say about the financial backing. I mean, um, two years ago, they, they were due to go out of business. Apparently, um, there was a winding up order uh, put in place for the club and um, they were bought out of um, a very sticky situation by the current owner, um, Stuart Day. So we've... we've with that in mind, uh, to think that you can go from that to, to this in, in the space of two seasons is quite remarkable. But I suppose if if uh, a lot of other clubs are looking on at it, they're just saying, seeing um, the money that Mr. Day has put into it and uh, and just putting two and two together. But as I think um, um, every Berry fan will know, it didn't quite work out that way as the season went on. And uh, the fact that they've managed to go up in the fashion that they did was quite remarkable as well, considering where they were around sort of the end of December time as well, because they had a terrible sticky patch between being beaten 5-0 by Shrewsbury and and really just not being able to buy a win or buy any points from anywhere during November. So uh, for them to actually do it on the last day of the season um, was testament really to the changes that were made behind the scenes at the club as the, as the season went on and um, the character of the players uh, that shone through in the end. You mentioned changes behind the scenes there, Craig, but what about on the pitch? I mean, were there any changes in, in strategy, in, in team selection or, or new signings that, that really inspired this run of 13 wins out of 16 or was it just the case of sticking with it and persevering and believing in what they were doing? No, no, I mean, they basically ripped it up and started again, um, which I think at the time, um, after that sort of big defeat against, against Shrewsbury, um, uh, the manager, Derry Flickroft, was really accused of possibly tinkering with his team just after that big, just reacting to that big defeat. And um, I, myself included, really, just just wondered where he was going with it as a, a few different loan players came in and then left at quick exits um, as he was trying to sort of find that kind of the winning formula, the the, the balance between defence and attack, which he wasn't really quite getting it right. Um, they couldn't win away from home. They couldn't get any points away from home uh, during that spell um, because he was playing a, a quite an attacking formation they started off the season with three um, defenders four midfielders and then kind of three forward thinking players so it was, a, it was a kind of like a, an old sort of Dutch system that they were using um, that he'd kind of used to try to use in, in League 2 and it just really wasn't working away from home they, they were they were conceding too many goals and looked too fragile um, so he ripped it up started again um, but slowly but surely they, they added to the defence um, it didn't happen overnight I think Adam Abdicate was the first one to come in on loan from Bristol um, then he managed to get Joe Riley in from Bolton and finally um, Nick Pope the goalkeeper on loan from Charlton um, and as they all slotted together and and the left-back Chris Hussey started to play um, the way that fans knew that he could um, all of a sudden they had this amazingly 
sturdy, steady defence, and, and that provided the platform for everything that went after that. Uh, so they kind of changed from being a gung-ho attacking team to being um, miserly um, in the extreme, um, and that's really what, what it was all sort of based upon. That, that formula worked very well away from home, especially when they only had one striker in with maybe Tom Sowers just backing up a, a single striker, and, and they just kind of eked out the points, really, without dramatically casting any teams aside along the way they kind of were winning 1-0 2-0 so made it very difficult for a reporter writing uh, um, not, <laughs> not to know what was happening until the last minute but obviously as well the fans were, were put through the mill as well um, I'm glad you've mentioned Nick Pope because for me that is the turning point in the season when he came in on loan from Charlton just to remind people he was the goalkeeper who was on loan at York last year when they had their record-breaking run of clean sheets and he, he's come in uh, the last eight games you mentioned we couldn't buy an away win um, yeah. eight away wins in a row seven clean sheets That's in amazing. that run and five of those eight wins were by one goal as you've just mentioned boring boring Barry eh? <laughs> well that's the thing I mean it's not boring it's just being solid and that's what we were missing in that middle part of the season mm-hmm. and I suppose despite the fact he got a lot of stick around the time uh, being branded by some fans as you called the Tinker Man uh, you've got to give Flickcroft credit because he's, yeah. you know, he saw his and admitted his own weaknesses and he sorted it out yeah, and I think that's a testament really to a good manager. Um, I suppose that to be a brilliant manager is to not make those mistakes in the first place, but because um, he was actually shipping out players that he'd brought in. Um, uh, I don't know if you could call Jim McNulty being shipped out of the former captain, but he was he was kind of uh, relegated a little bit to the sidelines for a while. Pablo Mills, who was a defender he'd brought in, also... Um, well, he left um, to go on loan at Cheltenham as well. So, so he's brought players in, realised that maybe he wasn't quite right for what he wanted to do and has, has looked and brought replacements in instead. Uh, and I mean, he had terrible troubles finding a goalkeeper, um, which um, a lot of fans actually uh, were wondering, scratching their heads, why he released Brian Jensen, who, who obviously has performed relatively well at, at Crawley this season in League One. Last year, he was kind of the player of the season last year. So uh, he's had a, a few detractors along the way, but um, I think what he's done is actually made the right decisions or at least corrected any mis- decisions he's got wrong and, and that is a testament to a good manager because you you have to be able to admit when maybe you've not got things perfectly right. A player that will have um, recently come to the wider attention of, of fans outside of Bury will be Danny Mayer winning the uh, League 2 Player of the Season mm. or Player of the Year. Um, what's he like as a player? I mean, is, is he justifiable winner of, of the award and do you think he'll continue to perform well in League 1? He's I mean, anyone that has seen him play, and I think it's uh, there was a, a, a stat being banded about um, when he actually won the, the league to player of the season award um, for Football League, um, that, that basically he'd, he'd, he'd got every single top vote that he could from every other manager. And um, I, had a, I had a word with the press officer at Football League and he said, no, that's not true. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, no. which, which was, I mean, it was a nice thing to, to think that every other manager has noticed the, the you know, the, the actual skills and the power and the and, and the way that I guess he, he was used as Barry's kind of um, go-to man. Um, so whenever they had the ball going forward, he was the man that the ball went through. But I, I mean, um, to be to, to be honest, I think I think there were a number of different players that maybe had more of an impact on Barry's uh, success. Uh, I think Nick Pope was one that was already mentioned. Um, but I guess for me, the man that has, has really had the impact um, over the full season was 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 well the guy that ended up being the captain, Nathan Cameron. I think uh, I'd probably pick him slightly ahead of Danny Mayer as the most influential player in the Barry team this season. Um, not because he's won matches single-handedly like at times Danny was able to do, but but he was just there as a rock throughout. And 
and he sort of created the style of play by by being a defender that that was able to do everything that he needed to do defensively, but also to to be a calm head on the ball and get and get the attack started really. And that's the way that that uh, the Fleecroft wanted to play from the back. Uh, so I'd say he had the most influence, but obviously Danny Murray has got the headlines as the season has gone on. I definitely echo that about Nathan Cameron. Some brilliant photos of him on the pitch mm-hmm. after a full time whistle on Saturday again. Absolutely mobbed. Um, Craig, I've got to uh, read this list of teams um, to you. Uh, mm-hmm. Wigan, Blackpool. Uh, you're going to have potentially Preston, also Oldham, Rochdale, maybe Sheffield United, maybe Chesterfield, Bradford, uh, Fleetwood, Barnsley, Doncaster, uh, Scunthorpe, Port Vale, Crew, Burton and Shrewsbury, not far away. It's basically mm. a, the Northern League League yeah, One next season, yeah. isn't it? And that makes it even more important that Bury have got up there. It did, I mean, it, uh, financially speaking, um, you'd imagine that it would help um, gate receipts because uh, obviously every football club um, is built on their away attendances uh, rather than home attendances. They they kind of know um, how many uh, season ticket holders they'll have by the start of the season, but it's it's a number of away fans coming through the gates that really sort of helps them get through the lean times as as they go through the season. And and now, uh, yeah, the chairman was was definitely looking at that. Um, and as a reporter, I was definitely looking at that too because uh, I, I think the the hard yard that all the fans have to go through to, to go up and down the country. Um, League 2 did not look very uh, appetising for next season. Um, you talk about the, the northern teams in League 1, but I mean the number of southern teams in League 2, that's kind of uh, mm. the split, isn't it? So um, all these southern teams have gone down or come up from the conference and uh, and League 1 has been left as this kind of northern league, which I think other than Peterborough, Gillingham and Colchester, it's, it's pretty much Midlands and up, isn't it? So... Yeah, absolutely dancing in the streets uh, um, around my house. Uh, my, my wife and my, my family were uh, were more than happy that I won't be um, um, <laughs> slogging it down to Pompey uh, on, every on week. On the M6 uh, and M1 motorway throughout the, the season next year, but um, it, it's a big, big financial reward for for a club that have really kind of actually put the. Uh, gambled really on on going going up as quickly as possible, and I think they've reaped that reward. And you're going to be competing with those northern teams for new signings and, and new players next season. And I suppose one thing that will be able to set Berry apart once you get past the obvious demands of, of wages is the fact that you've got the Carrington uh, training ground, Manchester City's old training complex. Uh, that might be able to attract a player that otherwise may have gone elsewhere. Yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy to think, isn't it, that. Um the Berry were the only club in the in the vicinity that have acted on that, or are able to act on that, or or were able to to get the deal done. Because you imagine that a lot of clubs would have been looking at that, thinking, "Well, we'd quite fancy that. <laughs> we'd quite fancy." I mean, it's a Premier League uh, facility, albeit Berry are having to try and figure out how they can run a Premier League facility on the sort of uh, the the amount of money that they've got. But um, it's still a pretty impressive thing to to use as their a carrot for, for players that might be interested in playing in League One. Um, not very many other clubs will be able to boast anything remotely getting to, towards that. So, so yeah, it's a big thing for the club. Um, I'm not entirely sure um, exactly what kind of impact it will have, but I think uh, if I was a player and I, and I was offered um, X amount to play at one club and then a lesser amount to play at another club, but with those sorts of training facilities, you'd have to basically weigh that up, wouldn't you, and, and figure out what was most important to you. Well, I can, I can speak as a Watford fan, and a similar thing happened to us about, it was sort of just after the first time we got promoted to the Premier League under under Graham Taylor, we, we took ownership of Arsenal's old training ground when they mm-hmm. moved next door to an even better facility. And it's been mentioned countless times over the years, particularly with loan signings, that mm-hmm. Premier League managers... 
are happier to send their players to our club knowing that they're going to have good facilities during the week which is obviously the, where they spend the most of their time so it might not it might also have been a benefit very in terms of the loan signings from a club like Man City mm-hmm. maybe. well definitely yeah. I mean you hear rumours about that already well, you know you certainly do as a fan you hear oh Nick Pope might, might be tempted to come back to us next season because of mm-hmm. Carrington uh, and things like that I mean Craig I've got to ask you uh, four years ago Barry got promoted at Chesterfield yeah. um, and sort of got promoted into League One that only lasted two seasons and they were back down again this does feel a bit different though doesn't it this time yeah I, I wasn't lucky enough to, to be covering the last uh, promotion in fact I actually started um, covering Barry the um, well started sort of uh, after the first season in League One so um, I took over uh, the the second season in League One and it just felt like everything unraveled from the moment oh, I walked through the, through the front door I, I, I was uh, you know I, I was at, going into the club that was in League One had done pretty well under Richie Barker and then it all just the wheels kept, fell off and then and yeah now it's been rebuilt so I don't have the the, the inside sort of um, knowledge to make a reference or make a comparison between the two but what I would say is that um, that team pretty much um, was dismantled maybe apart, over the summer before they even started in League One um, and they did very well to, to stay in League One in the first season without much difficulty really so um, I, if you imagine that you've got a side comparable to that that you can't really see falling to pieces um, or, or players leaving on, ex- on, on ex- a mass exodus really leaving the club then then yeah, they should they should be fine, shouldn't they? You'd imagine so if it worked out that way. But football is a funny a funny business. You never know what's around the corner. So um, I think Berry fans are just just enjoying the moment really, and we'll, the rest of it will take care of itself for a few months down the line. Are there going to be significant funds available for uh, for David Flitcroft to strengthen his squad, or is it you know going to be scrapping around for loans and free transfers? Well, it's it's hard for me to say. I'm I'm not not privileged to, to have that kind of information. And to be honest, I think. Um, most fans have been quite surprised by the, the the people that have come in in League Two um, and the people that were able to attract to the team in League Two and the wages that, that it, it's understood they've been able to pay. Although I think that will probably those wages that people expect they've been paid maybe aren't quite as high as what what people are thinking already. Um, but with regards to attracting people to in League One, I would suggest that if you look at the team that actually played against Tranmere on on the final game of the season, well, try and pick out a player that isn't really capable of holding their own at, at League One out of that bunch. And there's not too many really either. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't go through the list myself and say they definitely won't be able to play at League I One. I wouldn't want to as well on just no. two days after a promotion. No, and and uh, but I don't. I really don't think you can do that. I think I think you look at those players and you think, well, they've got you that far. Yeah. Playing fantastic, you know, great football. If you were to able to continue that form all the way through the season that they've had since Christmas then um, if you you can't really see that the leap between League 2 and League 1 is so big that they won't be able to at least do, do a job in the, in the tier up I'd say most of those players will still be in the team come um, come August really um, and the only real sort of thing that they need to look at is strengthening I guess the bench really I, I think maybe attacking wise they've got to have players maybe the you know they've got Nagiello and Danny Nagiello and Ryan Lowe, who are obviously uh, slightly older than than the norm for for League One uh, for attacking wise. So so they'll have to supplement that side of the team, and that's obviously the difficult part. Um, really bringing in attackers that can score the goals. But um, with Fallon Hope and Danny Rose, they've got two young attackers that maybe you know have, have, mm. this time isn't quite right for them. Um, but you'd imagine that a good pre-season under the belt maybe a bit more confidence um, as a result of a good pre-season and 
things might be different. And the youth team have done really well this season and won their league as well, so it's all looking good. And Craig, I mean, the main thing is we don't have to go all the way down to Plymouth on Saturday. Mm. <laughs> That's just the thing. Yeah, which well, I'm most glad I'd about. say that my family were dancing in the street. Well, um, it's my daughter's third birthday on League Two playoff final oh, uh, day, so um, so the, there was a lot of people in my household who really don't care about <laughs> football. With a lot, we're just chewing the nit fingernails down, just the same way that the fans were in the ground. So uh, yeah, it's, it's happy days. Craig, top man, great to have you on as ever. Enjoy the summer. <laughs> That's all right, you too. Talk to you soon. That's Craig Nelson, the Berry reporter for the Berry Times and the Bolton News. Next, we are going to round up what else went on over the weekend and we're going to preview the playoffs. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. Okay, then so much still to talk about from the final weekend of the season in all three divisions, but we should begin uh, at the top of the championship. AFC Bournemouth are the championship champions. They had their big parade on May Day Bank Holiday earlier this week uh, down on the south coast. Uh, Watford are the runners up and DC, you look like quite a frustrated man to me, despite the promotion to the Premier League. I thought I'd gotten over it, but I I watched the Football League show in preparation for this uh, pod earlier on today and it just God brought all the emotions back, back back, back again look let me just preface what I'm about to say by the fact that I know that there are fans of 70 other clubs in the Football League who will be listening to this thinking God he should shut up they've been promoted to the Premier League I get that we're up it's brilliant I'm delighted it's what we would have taken if we were offered it at the start of the season however with one game remaining all we had to do was beat Sheffield Wednesday and we would have been champions. Watford would have won the biggest trophy in their history. We'd never won that division before. You know, we, we've gone up through the playoffs. We've got promoted through the divisions in the 80s. But again, one of them was second to Luton Town when we went up to the top division in the 80s. And it, this was a huge opportunity for us to win the Football League Championship. And we blew it. We absolutely blew it. And... No, those players have been fantastic all season and maybe the celebrations in the week and and the weekend before took something out of them, I'm not sure. You know, they played really well in the first half, but they missed loads of chances. And then it just you could just see the, the life was draining out of them in the second half. They were tired and you could just see Sheffield Wednesday coming back into it. And then with about 15, 20 minutes to go, like our fans, just so some of our fans. I mean, there was a lot of brilliant. Our fans in general are brilliant and have been brilliant this season. But there were just there was people in that ground. Some of them decided to start a Mexican wave. What are you doing? Why are you starting a Mexican wave? This isn't a gig at the bloody O2. This is your team needs you to support them on when they just need, desperately need one more goal to secure the championship title. And you're doing a bloody Mexican wave. And there's people there that just you, could, you just... I got the impression that no matter what happened, they just wanted to be on that pitch. They wanted to be part of it. They wanted to have that moment where they could go onto the pitch and take a selfie you know, <laughs> in front of the goal or run up to one of the players and get one of them on his shoulders or, or take Troy Deeney's boots or something. They wanted, to be, they wanted to have that moment that we had two years ago when Deeney scored against Leicester. That pitch invasion was entirely justified because that was a miraculous moment that will never be replicated. This was not worthy of a pitch invasion. Daniel Tozer was trying to take a corner the minute after we conceded in the last minute. A corner that, if, if executed correctly, could have got us the title. We could have got the goal that we needed. And he couldn't take the corner properly because there was loads of cretins <laughs> one foot away from the touchline not letting him take his run-up. He had to physically push our own fans back because they were so desperate to get onto the pitch even after we conceded. 
And just the whole atmosphere of the day. I was worried from the start. You got Clem interviewing Troy I Deeney knew you were gonna before the Clem. game and interviewing Clem. Jukanovic in the tunnel. Let him concentrate on the game, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Everyone, even the programme, it said, we're promoted now for the title. It was just, you know, hu- hubris completely mm. did us. And it was... I was furious at the final whistle and not as furious, I might add, as Rookery Mike, who was with us last week. He went mad, kicking the seats next to me. He, you know, and It didn't feel like a, a celebration. I didn't want to run on the pitch. I didn't want to wait to see the players do their lap of honour. I don't think the players wanted to come back out because we failed. We failed to win the title and they should have won that title and they would have been worthy champions. But as it happened, poor defending in the last minute. They got a point. They should have won. And... You know, we finished second, which is brilliant. But I can't deny the fact that there was an emptiness, in, you know, in, my, in the pit of my stomach at the final whistle on Saturday. And I, I am annoyed that that glorious moment, for whatever reason, all of these factors combined, meant it didn't happen. And breathe. <laughs> And breathe. I know I can. I completely get what you're saying, and uh, I think every football club has a minority of fans that do. Uh, like to and, and the I didn't last, even last mention the flare on the, they threw flares onto the pitch yeah. these yellow smoke flares onto the pitch with 10 minutes to go during the game yeah during the game yeah, that's... what are you doing why are you doing that because our fans have been brilliant this season absolutely fantastic the 1881 group who uh, the singing section they started like a, a little mosaic thing uh, for the um, for the World War One centenary. They did another one the other day. The whole, um, the whole for Nick Cruz for promotion thing. Our fans have been fantastic this season, and they'll continue to be so. But just a couple of idiots. Just they let the atmosphere get the better of them. Get some sunshine, and you have a nice break over the summer. Come back in August when you're playing Arsenal at home on the first day, and I reckon you'll be all right. That's all <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say. And then they beat us four nil. When you when you don't have to go to um, whoever it's going to be. You got promoted from League One. When it, you know MK Don's away. Yeah. You're going to be playing at the Emirates or something. I'm, I'm, or Anfield. I'm sure you'll get over it. Well done to Bournemouth. Uh, they are the champions I mean two more from Matt Ritchie that first goal just come on it's just so good isn't it what a strike that was on his left foot into the far corner exceptional player well done to Bournemouth they are well obviously worthy champions looking at the table at yeah, the end of the you day you can't disagree they got more points at the end of the day they did what they oh. needed to do on the day what was your Yukanovic Yuk- chant that you told me about yesterday da, 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 I like this la, la, la. Slavisa Jokanovic. Brilliant. I love that. Um, mate, it could be worse. You could be a Derby fan. True. Oh, God. Derby County, right? 13 games to go back at the end of February. They were top of the league by two points. They were three points clear of third. They were seven points clear of seven. 13 games later, they finished eighth. 13 points off the top. They won two out of their last 13. They, they lost five and drew six. They I mean, ha- and what a way to lose as well on the final they day. Haven't been out of, they haven't been out of the top six since September. They only needed a draw at home to a Reading who were awful and had just lost at Rotherham uh, in midweek. And, and they got beaten 3-0. I mean, that first goal. They just set Jesus. the tone, didn't it? That the pass back pass from and Will Hughes. Hughes. The defender didn't get there. And then... Yeah. And then the the other defender who was covering completely sold himself yeah. for the first he wasn't even that much of a sort of uh, faint to shot from the Reading attacker and 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 he just completely slides take himself out of the game simple goal for Reading one nil up two minutes in the the tone has been set Darren Bent missed a penalty as well he did great Normally save by Federici from the spot great save by Federici obviously a few weeks after his big error at Wembley and then all kinds of headlines now obviously three nil defeat terrible result completely bottled it. Awful end to the season and a season was promising so much. They've done me over in my accumulators. I'm sure they have a lot of people listening to this. And now there's rumours about McLaren and Newcastle. Apparently he's not going to go. Well, yeah, but, it looks but, like he's going to stay. It's just well, a there's net. been no real disappointing end to the season. I don't think. But yeah, it looks like he, he 
obviously feels embarrassed, I suppose, about the end of the season and, and he knows that the team should have done better and shouldn't have finished, certainly shouldn't have finished outside the top six, let alone the top two. And looks like uh, at the moment he wants to stay and try and put things right next season, which will be a challenge. It'll well, be a task to raise the players and go again after a second successive. I know. Uh, you know, even even at least last season they could have they they can say, look, we're unlucky, lads. You played really well at Wembley. It didn't go for us on the day. This season you let us down big time. And the that, ones that are going to be there next season, and any new ones that come in, are going to have to improve. Do you remember that game last season where Bristol Rovers had a, needed needed a draw against Mansfield to stay up on the last day of the season? Mm. When you need to draw against a team with nothing to play for, it's a very similar thing in a way. Obviously, the they're is, not relegated from the league. But when it's that thing, oh, we only need a draw, lads. You, it's, it's, it's better if you know that, look, win and that's it. Go for it. Because if you need a draw, sometimes I don't know whether it just plays psychologically in the players' minds that, you know, they, maybe they've got mm. an eye on the other results as well, you know. Uh, Wolves, uh, Wolves also missed out on the playoffs. They've had a great first season, though, haven't they? After promotion, yeah. Kenny Jacket. Absolutely. They finished above Derby in the end, finished seventh. Uh, they beat Millwall 4-2. Great edits, by the way, in the Football League show the last day of the season, really the way good, they yeah. sort of mashed all the games together, really sort of and told the, um, the story of the afternoon. That second goal by Dicko. What a finish that fantastic, was. Tremendous. Fantastic goal. He's had a good, a decent season and, and Sacco is the other player that I've admired for many seasons now and I, I am surprised in, in some ways that they managed to keep hold of him all through their um, their trials and tribulations up and down the leagues. But again, I think he's a player that will be linked with moves away in the summer and he may well stay next mm. season and, and have another good season in the championship. But I think it's key that they obviously keep their best players and they should have the finances and the resources to add more quality to that squad. And as Kenny Jackett said, at the end of the game in his interview it's about building and I think I've already said this before that I, I would tip Wolves to be really strong next season and you know similar to Bournemouth last season just missed out on the playoffs but I could see them being right at the top of the league next year Playoffs then um, Ipswich confirmed their spot despite losing 3-2 at Blackburn Norwich beat Fulham 4-2 Middlesbrough drew 0-0 with Brighton but Brentford have made the playoffs what a season they have Amazing. had 3-0 victory against Wigan and they go into a semi-final against Middlesbrough. Mark Warburton could still pull this off, promotion to the Premier League, and then out the back door. Well, who'd back against it, really? Because all of the controversy surrounding Mark Warburton and his future, and then it, it did eventually transpire when none of us thought, surely we thought that can't be true, and it turned out that Matthew Benham did want to get rid of him and had told him that this is it, no matter what happens. I mean... It's exactly what we said when we did the special on it. I mean, it, it would be typical of football <laughs> that they end up going up and then it looks ridiculous that, that Warburton ends up leaving. Where does he go? Does he find himself a Leeds manager next season or another job in the Championship and Brentford, his team, are in the Premier League? If they go up, I, I still think... I don't think Ben and what we know about him will buckle to any pressure, but surely there will be some intense pressure from the fans and, and the media on, on Brentford to keep Mark Warburton and Definitely. give him a reprieve. What do you make of the semi-finals then? Brentford are playing Middlesbrough. So um, I, I, we've not really talked about this, but if we are going to do a show next week, then the first legs will have been played just mm. of these. Or if we're going to leave it two weeks, then maybe we could talk about the the ties as a whole. But Brentford... Let's sort our admin out off it, <laughs> okay. I'd say. Brentford, Middlesbrough, Friday night, 7.45, Ipswich, Norwich, Saturday lunchtime, 12.15. If you want the league results from the regular season, uh, in the league games, Middlesbrough won 1-0 at Brentford and they beat them 4-0 at home. So they did the double over Brentford uh, and Norwich did the double over Ipswich. They won uh, 2-0 at home and 1-0 away interesting I, I certainly back Norwich over two matches to beat Ipswich as, as impressive as, Ip, as Ipswich have been um, even you know, times when it's looked like they've been slipping out they've come back with with you know real character I think we've got to applaud the season that Daryl Murphy's had 
when they, you know, had a few injuries and, the, and they had a little bit of a dry spell in the last sort of third of the season, but he's ended the season strongly, scoring goals. What a fantastic goal that was, uh, the first one against Blackburn and then absolutely slamming that penalty home. So they'll be looking to him to continue scoring to get them through. But I just think over two matches, I think Norwich have more firepower, more quality, and I would back them to get through. But... You know, it's lo- two local derbies. I mean, they're going to be intense, even more intense than they normally are, considering their playoffs. So uh, anything could happen. And I just hope they're great games. I'm really excited to see them. Two ludicrous items to end the championship for the regular season. Steve Evans and his sombrero oh, before yeah. the game. I mean, just <laughs> words cannot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't really find the words, can you? And then Blackpool against Huddersfield. Match abandoned. More stories coming out of Blackpool in the last week with the Stan Mortensen um, oh, well, statue being utter, taken utter down utter because the fans joke. were planning to demonstrate their legendary ex-player for England of course well that worked didn't it yeah exactly so these fans decided right have you taken that that away we're just going to protest in the middle of the game match abandoned man on his mobility scooter in the middle going around the pitch the football league <laughs> has said superb they what don't, can the steward do they don't need to uh, <laughs> replay the game I'm not really sure how the points get allocated there but uh, it just, I mean if anything sums up Blackpool season that is it it is it's a sorry end to what has been an absolutely sorry campaign and has been a sorry few years and as we've said countless, countless times this season, what's the end game? Where does it end? Carl Oyston and the Oyston family quite clearly don't want to go anywhere and, and are very staunch in their views that they're, that they're doing what, what they're doing is the right way to run the football club. The fans obviously think exactly the opposite and there's no winner. The only loser is the football club and the team and the fans really because it, nothing, you know, they can, what are they going to do next season? What, what, what chances Lee Clark got? It wouldn't surprise me if you're in a situation like they were again at the start of last season where they barely got any players. I mean, it's an utter farce and something needs to be done. But, I mean, what can the Football League step in? Well, I don't know if they can. Is there any grounds to? I mean, that's one of the th- problems I suppose you have when you have someone who owns a football club like they have them for so long. What can you do if they're not actually breaking any rules and they're just, you know, not spending any money on the club? There's not much they can probably do, but it's it's a shambles and it's a, and the, it's a shame for the fans. Uh, league One, then um, we talked about Derby bottling it. What about Preston? Uh, they were second in the league for the previous 13 games. They last failed to score back on the 4th of November, 30 games ago. They lost one nil at Colchester. We'll talk about it from a Colchester perspective and the fact they stayed up in a second. But uh, this was a really good game. I thought. I know it was a lot, enjoyed it. Lot riding on it. Loads of chances for Preston, though. I mean, Jermaine Beckford had one way. Maybe he could have got his shot away. Tom Eastman slid in, and Paul Gallagher skied one, which bobbled yep. on the edge of the box. And then the chance was for Garner with a header, mm-hmm. where he should have gone back across the goalkeeper, but he tried to head into the yeah. corner to his left, and he just got it horribly wrong. Well, three big players for Preston there, who have all played at higher levels, have all got good goal scoring records, and all three of them wasted the chances they had and that is what it comes down to on days like this you've got to be decisive you've got to take your chances MK Dons took all of theirs and more and Preston didn't take any of theirs and then conceded a poor goal to Colchester and it's they should never have lost that game they should have beaten Colchester because they are a better team and they've been very good this season Uh, and one thing that I did like about the game was um, the, listen back to the commentary on the Football League show. So I think I think it was probably done after after the event, maybe not live. And um, that chance for Garner, the cross gets uh, put in, and because it hit the sort of oh yeah, the bit, yeah, and he went, yeah I know what you mean, and that. it's in the side netting. 
<laughs> he, he really, really lost gearing it, it up, Paul wasn't Walker, he? Because yeah. he thought it was the big game. He, he, big goal. His voice actually shrieked a little bit when he know because he just saw the, the ball sort of rustle the net, and he yeah. thought, "It's it." Uh, oh no, it's just gone wide. <laughs> yeah, just gone wide. But uh, and and the last five minutes, especially when when Colchester once Colchester had scored and Preston obviously knew right, we've got five minutes to get back in this game and try and do something. It was terrible. A terrible attempt to try and chase the match. Every throw in that they had went straight to Colchester players. Every long ball, like crosses were, were just, obviously they were panicking. But yeah. it was really poor. Like they, they lost it completely. Nine previous playoff campaigns Preston North End have been in. Zero promotions. Well, they, Tenth time lucky. <laughs> well, they're going to need Garner to be on form like he was last season in the playoffs when he scored that goal. They got Chesterfield in the semi final. Actually won the goal of the year just, just Against Robert a few him, yeah. weeks ago, didn't it? And what a goal that was. So. They're going to need to step up. And on paper, really, I know they failed last season as well, but the overall record of the playoffs, and you know, David Moyes' playoff teams and all that years ago, what's that got to do with anything now, yeah. really? They've got to put that out of their mind. You know, psychologically, they've got to just concentrate on these, on, on these games, if there, is there, if there is more than one, and think that we have been really good this season. Well, there's definitely more than one, mate. No, I mean more than one set of matches <laughs> oh, right, if they okay. get through to the final. So uh, they have to try and believe and say, look, we didn't quite do it on the last day, but we deserve to be promoted this season because how many points are they ahead of whoever's in of Chesterfield? Uh, it's um, 20. Look at that. Mm. They're better than them and they've got to prove it. Uh, Chesterfield only in the first season up in League One as well. They've uh, they've had a great season. Uh, the other semi-final is Sheffield United against Swindon. So the first legs of those are on first legs of those are on Thursday and then the return legs are Sunday and Monday. So by next week, we will know uh, who is going to be going uh, to Wembley. Um, care to offer a prediction? I'm going to go for a Preston against Swindon final. I mean, Carl will probably this will probably be music to Carl's ears. Actually, I, I, for some reason, I don't fancy Swindon. Right. Uh, so yeah, Swindon fans, book get your, your money book on your, everyone. Put your train tickets to Wembley. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say Preston Sheffield United final, oh. and, and the the two <laughs> the two playoff butlers. Yeah. Is it possible for them for them both to lose in that situation? <laughs> it's an ever ending penalty shootout, I imagine. Um, down at the bottom, then it was well an incredible sort of day down there as well. With um, I think it was what six teams uh, trying to stay up. Uh, three places still to be decided. Uh, the three that survived are crew. Not really anything sort of to do with their own performance. They lost one 0 at home to Bradford. They only won one one of the last seven games, so they can count themselves a bit lucky. Good season a, Bradford have had as well. By yeah, the way. crew had a terrible first half of the season. They had a really good patch in the middle, which kind of got them just above water, and they've just about sort of you know hung on. So crew have, have survived. Colchester, as we mentioned, Chris Porter's terrible penalty thankfully didn't matter. Well, he redeemed himself though. He did. Nice bit very of, good hold nice up play, hold up play and assist, for the goal, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Hume's men, um, this is their last 10 games. They won five, drew three and only lost two. So that was a great end to the season. They looked dead and buried. Uh, pulled themselves out of it. Colchester will be in League One uh, next season. And the other team to survive were Coventry. So Tony Mowbray just about got the job done there. They won 2-1 at Crawley. The three teams that go down DC were Crawley, Notts County and Orient. Uh, Crawley uh, lost 2-1 at home to Coventry. Matthias Pogba scored for them in that game, um, the brother of Paul. But then they uh, they shipped two goals and been relegated after three seasons. Paul, what are you doing, what are you doing <laughs> yeah. on Sunday? You just come... He's injured, isn't he, for your, for your Bennett's at the moment? Yeah. Try to get him over. Pop, pop down to the... Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know why they're It's been a while. We have to come and Broadfield catch up. Stadium. Um, <laughs> Dean Saunders uh, looked devastated. He's not sure if he'll be there next season. No. Of course, he was just sitting in for, uh, yeah. for um, he didn't look up John for Gregory. It. Didn't sound up for it at the end of the game. <laughs> just been relegated, to be fair, yeah. mate. Um, and the other two, Notts County. I mean, this is ridiculous. They were 1-0 up at Gillingham with two minutes to go. They were staying up and then they somehow lost 3-1. Yeah, really poor. I don't understand how that happened. Um, their five-year spell in League One is over. Whether Ricardo Moniz will be there in League Two next season should be interesting. And... 
well, Leighton Orient, a year on from Wembley, mate. Penalty kicks away from the Championship. Maybe a top two budget this season, all the signings they made. What a disaster. And uh, they're finishing the bottom two, and they are down. I mean, it's absolute And Liverani, eight wins from 27 in charge. He's mess. Obviously, you know, he was obviously never good enough. Like, it's a ridiculous gamble to put that man in charge of, of that team. A, a ludicrous decision. There was no justification, no prior evidence that that man could be a successful football manager. Maybe he will one day, but I think this was too much too soon for him. You know, there's been a lot of investment there by the new owners and in the infrastructure and, and in the playing staff and, and to be relegated in the first season. It's a disaster, and and I'm sure they'll probably will have a decent chance of bouncing back next season if they if they manage to sign some new players or or keep some of the the higher wage earners there on the wage bill. But you know it, it's a desperate situation, and they they can't afford to to mess around. Uh, Look da- at Tranmere. Well, indeed, more on that in a second. Darren Kelly is the new Oldham manager. Uh, that's been announced today. He's currently on the academy and coach staff at Sunderland. He'll take over in July. A couple more bits from League One. Uh, big scores are back. Barnsley 5, Rochdale 0. Doncaster 5, Scunfort 2. And if we talked about the Blackpool situation summing up their season, how about Bristol City 8, Walsall 2? A hat-trick from Aidan Flint, who's a centre-half. And he scored 15 goals this season. Fantastic. Steve Bruce-esque. Very much so. Unbelievable end to the season. Uh, for Bristol to, City, who uh, paraded Sean, the trophy. My housemate was there. Oh, was he? And uh, yeah, at the weekend, and um, it was two all, wasn't it? At one stage. Yeah. What the, what a season for the three of us who did. Uh, do you remember last summer we did the one day where we, yeah. during the World Cup where we went to visit a place in London, an establishment for each nation in the World Cup. The mm. three of us. Little did we know, a year on, three promotions under our belt. We should have lumped on. Really. We should have done. We should have thought about that. Actually, I haven't, no, I, I did. Oh, did I was, you? Just, <laughs> just, I actually did lump you on. You did lump I? on. You've Watford, won. Bristol City and Barry. You've won. Um, okay, League Two then. So uh, my day out at Tranmere, there was a brilliant moment after the game where I was drinking with David Nugent's dad. Really? What's uh, his name? Um, I'm not sure, Mr Nugent, I just think. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a bizarre situation where <laughs> I was in the Nugent. pub and the lads were going, oh, Dave Nugent's dad's over there. So he is. All right. Yeah, had a nice chat. I think it's Dave Nugent's birthday. I think he's back in Liverpool. He's a scouser. Yeah. He was very happy for Berry. Great moment during the game where the third goal for Morecambe went in and it was 3-1. And obviously, there's just you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. all going off around you. And then all the Berry fans were singing in unison, one goal, we only need one goal. And then, two minutes later, the only bit of good play in the match, terrible game of football. It's absolutely chucking it down. Horrible day. Rubbish game. We were awful. One bit of good play between Mayer and Hussey on the left. Ball gets pulled back for Tom Soares. And then it sort of he tries to hit it, it just kind of bobbles in front of him. And then he's there, like sort of seven yards out. The greatest toe poke you've ever seen into the net. I was three rows behind it. And if you watch it on the Football League show, on the same row as me, I've got my mate who's in an orange waterproof uh, jacket, which we gave him stick for at the time. But looking back, thank God he was, because we, we can see where we are. And I've got another mate who's in a blue jacket. And just to the left of them is me with my hood up because it was chucking it down, just going stupid crazy and then the full time whistle goes and like I said earlier just sprint on the pitch dancing on the pitch and then we the, the, the saddest thing for me is I thought the players were going to come back out because they all disappeared down the tunnel and because of Tramier's relegation the club decided that they weren't going to sort of flaunt the promotion mm. if we went up so they said get back to the ground we went on the train so it took us a you know, it took us a while to get back. So by the time we got back, we missed the players on the pitch at the ground. Oh. So it was a slight disappointment in terms of that. But hey, who cares? We're in League One next season and it's done and dusted. Southend are not though, and they go into a playoff semi-final against Stevenage um, after they lost 3-1 at Morecambe and Wickham won 3-2 at Northampton. They go into a semi-final when they'll be playing Plymouth. And, and Care to offer a prediction for those? Well, I mean, just, just looking at Wickham, I mean, they've been up there all season, so we've kind of got used to it. But we shouldn't forget... This time last year, we were talking about them surviving on the last day of the season after we very nearly going out of the Football League. So 
hats off to Gareth Ainsworth because he's done a wonderful job this season. And even if they don't go up, it's a fantastic season they've had. But you know, but they'll be as confident as any of the other teams, really. I'd say none of them are flying. South End, I suppose, have got the best record over the last few months. But um, I, I think I, I see it as pretty even. So the first leg is Saturday night, Plymouth Wickham, seven forty-five, and the first leg Stevenage South End, six thirty-five on Sunday. Well done to Burton Albion, who won the title with a three-two win at Cambridge. Uh, Shrewsbury finishing second, of course. A um, few more bits from League Two. Well, just well, not well. One more bit from League Two. Ian Gale of Dagenham, the worst piece of defending you've seen in the Football League this season <laughs> against tremendous. Exeter. You've got to check that out. I suppose you could kind of applaud them for trying to play their way out the back. But when the goalkeeper's to the right of the goal, you're facing your goal on the edge of the box, and there's a striker between you and the goal. Don't play into the middle of the goal. <laughs> That's just a, a, a one rule of defending. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, and another thing you wanted to mention, which I, I have noticed as well, is when teams get promoted, they have these banners. Yes, which they hold. I think it's deliberate. Now, what's the chant, right? The chant is, we, we are going up. up. Say, so we, we are, are going, going up. up. Hence the name of this podcast when yeah. we came up with this. We are going up. Not, we are going up. Yeah. What is that? Abbreviating it. We're going up. I say, we're, we're going, going up. up. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work. So get rid of the apostrophe football league and make that two words on your little banners that you're in, you, you know, sky better. You make the plays hold up. We are going up. Yes. Not, not we're going up. We're not changing the name of the podcast. God, that's we're for both sure. picky, aren't we? <laughs> um, and one more thing to mention: it's just been confirmed on the, on the day we're recording this that football league highlights are moving to Channel Five next season. They'll be on Saturday at nine p.m. Channel Five. Is that if Watford are doing well next season and you're playing? I don't know. Hole at home and they're bottom of the league. Are you going to sing that to them when they're about to get relegated? I hope so. Saturday night, Channel Five. So be the other way around. Um, if you if you go back, we did a show on this at the start of the year, I think December. December was it okay so end of last year so this news is kind of old hat Alan really. Biggs our friend Alan Biggs was the man that broke it he was Alan yeah. Biggs he was uh, in the know long so before anyone else if you want our opinions on that and the big move to Channel 5 go back listen back to that show if you're a new listener because we talked Have about it for a good press? half hour did you read the press release uh, I scanned it they've installed some sort of HD super cameras super fast Wi-Fi broadband well, fibre optic cables at all the ground so they can whiz the highlights up the, yeah, yeah. up the wires and get it done. Well, quickly. I think that's why on Sky recently they've been showing like football league goals as they go in on on uh, mm. Soccer Saturday and stuff in the Championship because those grounds have got that technology. Yeah. But it's a bit harder at Accrington to get to get that take the Very goals to so. London. But they're know. all going to have it. Well, yeah, all seventy. Not clubs. not much of a turnaround there, is there? What four hours to get the show on the air? Interested to host it and all that kind of thing. I did enjoy Manish's tweet early when he said, "So where's that CV?" Question mark something like that he put on <laughs> Twitter. Um, right, that is pretty much it for Imagine this the week. uproar of Steve Claridge and Manish again. Mate, Do you Clem, know there'll be people? Clem will be back. Clem will be back. Of course he will. He's going nowhere. Let me tell you that. Uh, the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. The website's wearegoingup.co.uk for all the archive on there. Facebook.com/slash Wagyu Podcast and Instagram as well. Instagram.com/slash Wagyu Podcast and you can download free audiobook audible.co.uk slash going up right now sign up for a free 30 day trial you can download any audiobook that you would like for nothing well we can enjoy the playoffs as- I signed up for the football pools by the way last oh, did, you? Week. Finally, did you get on yeah uh, nothing no it was a bit, I didn't realise you got to get score draws haven't you yeah I, there was hardly any yeah that's well we, we can take this up with them over the summer <laughs> can't we uh, we can enjoy the playoffs this year Oh, I, I'm really looking neutrals. forward to the playoffs. They are fantastic games. Oh, there's always drama. They're always late winners or you know, disasters, collapses from teams. You know, I've just saw some of that when Football League Show did the montage at the end of the uh, end of the Saturday show. Um, just some of the goals from last year. Ravels at um, mm. for Rotherham at Wembley. Garner and tremendous. Yeah, so I can't wait for the playoffs. They're going to be great. And I suppose I wish 
obviously they can't all win. There's going to be more losers than winners across the three divisions. But good luck to all the all the teams and fans involved. Just try and enjoy it. Indeed, we should say thank you as well to everyone who did sort of tweet us both and just say well done on your teams yes. being promoted this season. So thanks to everyone who's kind of. Uh, I suppose when you listen to a podcast and you hear us bang on about the same two teams you do kind of look out for their results in a little way. I hope so, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's it. Good luck in the playoffs, everyone. We will speak to you next time on We Are Going Up. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Yeah!